You're recording. Mm -hmm. Pretty sure. Okay. We can put that out at the beginning. That's going in the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> Up to a page, so it looks like I have some notes on whatever. <laughs> really, do we ever take like notes that mean we used to have like a format for this, right? Yeah. Hello, I'm John. I'm John, and welcome to the 226. Today, we're going to be talking about taste. Now, that's kind of an ambiguous, very term. yeah, it kind of has multiple meanings, but um, I think the idea that I got it from when we were talking about this is mm -hmm. from that Ira Glass quote that I think we talked about in one of the very earliest episodes. It comes yeah. up. Yeah. And also I like food, so that's that's always a plus too. Yeah. yeah. I think we should probably start with that quote. You know? Yeah. Should we do that? Yeah, I'll pull that up. So the Ira Glass quote um, has kind of been not immortalized, but everybody looks up to it. It's just something he laid out on the radio one day. And it's absolutely phenomenal. Um, there's an excellent animated video using the text from the code, great graphic design using mm -hmm. it and music. And it's really an ode to the creative and such. All right, here it is. Nobody tells this to people who are beginners. I wish someone told me. All of us who do creative work, we get into it because we have good taste. But there's this gap. For the first couple of years, you make stuff. It's just not that good. It's trying to be good. It has potential, but it's not. But your taste, the thing that got you into the game, is still killer. And your taste is why your work disappoints you. A lot of people never get past this phase. They quit. Most people I know who do interesting creative work went through years of this. We know our work doesn't have this special thing that we want it to have. We all go through this. And if you're just starting out, or you're still in this phase, you've got to know it's normal. And the most important thing you can do is to do a lot of work. Put yourself on a deadline so that every week you'll finish one story. It's only going to be going through a volume of work that you will close that gap and your work will be as good as your ambitions. And I took longer to figure out how to do this than anyone I've ever met. It's going to take a while. It's normal to take a while. You just got to fight your way through. That's good stuff. Yeah. I love hearing that. Um, so taste. Uh, your taste. What is your taste? I think the the things that you have a, like a affinity for, a mm -hmm. taste for, are the things that you're super passionate about. So yeah. things like when it comes to creative stuff, mm -hmm. I really like the video aspect. Yeah. The things, good films that tell great stories or short films mm -hmm. that tell short, great stories are, uh, that that's the kind of taste I have. I love when a story like really grips you. Mm -hmm. And uh, have I been able to make something like that? No. <laughs> have I even really like <laughs> tried? <laughs> kind yeah, of, yeah, yeah. but like it's not, it's nothing near what I would want it to be. Mm -hmm. Something where I'd be like, yeah, I'm happy and like, somewhat proud about this thing but yeah. I haven't I don't have that but the taste is still there and I think that's what he's what he's getting at yeah I always thought I think taste is one step further so you're like you've got like film and good stories I think like exactly which good stories and what makes those good stories in your mind so like for me I love like taking pictures and making videos but I don't love all like good pictures per se you know interesting so like I could really love this Ansel Adams black and white thing mm -hmm. from Yosemite or something, um, but maybe not this super saturated picture from the exact same spot. You okay. know, like compositions could be the same, but like different people are going to bring something different to it, and their taste is going to affect. And maybe I just don't have an affinity for that. Interesting. So for you, taste 
is more similar to like a preference or a uh, things that you like. Yeah. And you can distinguish between things that you like and things that you can recognize as good while not yeah. liking them. Good is such a, that's a bad term to use for all this, Yeah, I think. But like for me, when I look at a picture, I don't want to see super crushed contrast blacks or blown out whites. I want to see like details and shadows and mm -hmm. preser preserved details and highlights and such like that. And this awesome dynamic range and good colors and clarity and all that. But like same goes for video, like I'm always looking at that. So that's just the straight up visual aspect of like every single frame mm -hmm. of like what my taste is and how I like to curate what I see in front of. So does that apply, you think, to things that you do? Or oh. does that apply just like in all of the things that you look at or see? I think it definitely applies to things I do. So like everything I do, I'm always thinking that when I'm editing and such. Mm -hmm. So like every time I edit an iPhone picture in VSCO or something, mm -hmm. I basically go through the same process because that's what I like to see. Okay. That's what I think the picture should look like to best represent mm -hmm. the real world. Um, wait, sorry, ask your question again. There's one more thought I had. So, do you think your preference for taste applies to your creative process or more to how you observe the things that you're like ingesting? So yes, yeah, so creative process, talk about that. And then what I observe, I definitely keep like the majority of things I like to look at, say Instagram, YouTube, Vimeo, mm -hmm. um, like 90% of that is like my taste, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. What the feel I'm going for, the people I look up to who influence mm -hmm. me, who I respect their taste, and I'll go seeking after what makes it look like that. Okay. Look great. So videos or things that you see, pictures, whatever creative thing it might be, mm -hmm. that you can see and recognize as quality artistry, quality creative content that is not your taste, mm -hmm. is there, that's a, there's a very, there's a difference between those things? Yeah, it's, it gets to be dangerous because like I can definitely respect something that isn't my taste. Mm -hmm. So, for example, like we were both at a art gallery opening yesterday. Yeah. Um, three artists, friends with them all, and they, um, very different styles. So like one is like black and white, pen, mm -hmm. super minimalist, and then another is abstract, another like more realistic. Mm -hmm. And I'm not a huge abstract person, but after like talking to the artist about his work and seeing what he put into it, like mm -hmm. you can respect that. Yeah. So even if it isn't my taste, I'm gonna see it as quality artistry. I yeah. think that's a great term. And you can look look for the things that um, like went into it. Get yeah. The backstory kind of. Yeah. Especially with abstract things, I think it's really hard to kind of delve into that without yeah. a little bit of prior knowledge for what was going through the artist's mind yeah. when they were making it. Yeah. I think something that often gets missed in today's age because of the internet, maybe, mm -hmm. is you don't always hear the person's backstory to why they made something or the taste. It's just the image, just the video. Yeah. And it's not always accompanied by this is what it went into, this is why it happened, mm -hmm. these were the thoughts. So that was a really cool thing about the art gallery, because you could go up, ask the artist, what were you thinking when you made this painting? Could you explain this like one yeah. line to me? Oh yeah. And it, it was incredible because there was a purpose for every single part of mm -hmm. every abstract piece. It yep. was absolutely incredible, and I, I loved hearing that. So I, I think if more people 
did that online, maybe made a separate video, a separate write up about mm -hmm. this is why I made this decision. This is why I creatively chose to do this. Yeah, especially with like pictures, yeah. it's hard to say like this is the story behind it. Unless it's yeah. like if you're doing like a specific shoot of something like a wedding or mm -hmm. like uh, any other event, it's yeah. it's clear like what the purpose of of this thing yeah. was, but. Even there, you can say like the reason I chose this when I edit it is because mm -hmm. of these things that I was going for, yeah. and it just brings more to light. I think, for me at least, seeking out those things is important to me. Yeah, especially when you can recognize that there's like some quality stuff going on here to find out what else went into it that I might not be able to see, mm -hmm. and then I try to include things like that in the work that I do. Yeah. So for example, like the last month or two, I've been starting to actually write down the ideas I've had for, for stories. And I try to put in little things that people, if they choose to, could like dig up and find like some, some other things that add more meaning to certain mm -hmm. characters or certain things that go on. For example, like the names of all of my characters mean something. Oh. Awesome. Like you can look it up, you can find out what the name means just in general, and then that should bring to light a little bit more about who that person is. Mm -hmm. That's that's the goal. And I don't say that in the things, but when you look at it, if someone were to go that far and, and be interested in that way, it would just bring more bring more to the surface. So Yeah. Creative work that has a backstory, has more meaning underneath the surface, mm -hmm. always excels more. Just I'd say 10 out of 10 always excels more mm -hmm. because it gives more people more to grasp. Like, yes. th think of the entire Star Wars saga. Yeah. Like, every single species in that story has a backstory. Like, this is why they're there. And, yeah. this is, and people live for that. And there's websites dedicated to that and books dedicated and fan bases all yeah. around that. And I think that's why I succeeded. I think so, too. That usually... I've always wondered about that too, like the whole creating a universe thing. That's such a massive yeah. endeavor to, to do. Yeah. And I, I feel like you just start it at one place and mm -hmm. and then uh, you just kind of, as you add characters to your story, you add the backstory when they come in, not at yeah. the very beginning, and then work with what you have. You just kind of create it all as you go. Yeah. I'm reading a book called On Stories for a class that yeah. I'm taking right now. Okay. It's a compilation of works by C.S. Lewis, I think. Nice. I'm just getting into it right now. Yeah. So um, he was uh, a literary critic as his day job in, mm -hmm. in addition to writing stories. And I think he was very good friends with uh, J.R.R. Tolkien. Yeah, I've heard and that. And so they got to, he got to sit down and talk with him all yeah. the time about like the kinds of things that are in Tolkien. He's another one of those guys who made a complete universe. Yeah. Where he would like from the beginning to the end, there's just all these stories and backstories mm -hmm. and just hearing about the process from their dialogue with each yeah. other. It wasn't like this whole planned out thing. He was making this universe Till he died, basically, he didn't even yeah. finish his last the last book. He was able to, but he was still able to get the the universe out yeah. there. That was just really interesting to me. Yeah. And those are the kinds of things in the backstory that bring it to light. Mm -hmm. I think when you create your own universe, that is so uniquely your taste, mm -hmm. too. Yeah, that it shows a lot about who all you from are. your mind. Mm -hmm. It's just exactly that. In grade school, I went to grade school with this. 
uh, guy. His name is Will. Mm-hmm. And um, awesome guy. Lived on a farm. Curly blonde hair. Just hilarious, honestly. Mm-hmm. He never... He didn't say much, but inwardly you could kind of tell he was this really creative person. He was always doodling. So mm-hmm. in school sometimes teachers would like tell him to stop doodling on his notes and things, but he was always sketching animals. Hmm. But not like normal animals. He would be like creating new deep sea creatures mm-hmm. and things like that. And I thought it was the coolest thing. And just like if that was harnessed, it could be so much more. Yeah. And like it was already showing up in grade school and it was always <laughs> It was always had that deep sea hmm. type feel, and I thought it was really interesting because, like, grew up on a farm, so he's always around animals and such. Yeah, but um, and it's like as far away from like the deep ocean yeah. depths as you can be. Yeah, so I think it was like this longing and this taste to hmm. go see what that's like. Nice. It was just kind of the next James Cameron, I think. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I should I should talk to Will and see what he's doing now, but I don't know. It, the the whole concept of taste. It doesn't get talked about enough, I think. Yeah. It's usually your influences and how they affect you, but your taste, I believe, could come about without any third-party influence. Mm-hmm. Just what you are pre-programmed to enjoy. Yeah, I think there's some aspect of um, nature, so to speak, like yeah. innate uh, preference towards certain... Yeah types of art that's possible. Um, there's definitely a nature versus nature. Oh yeah, I think it's both. Yeah. I, 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 I really can't yeah. see how it would be completely one or completely the other. Mm-hmm. Um, it, yeah, I, I can't I can't see separating those two things and be like, your taste, the things that you like are completely because of your genetic material. Yeah. I think the experiences that you have, especially um, in like a social context really um, adds to yeah. or subtracts from your taste constantly as you go through life. Yeah. Even with things like food. Like as a baby. Actual like, taste. Yeah. What, what, I, I can't imagine like what it would be like to be in the mind of a child as they're like trying like Gerber carrot mush mm-hmm. for the first time. Like, what is this? Like, do I like it? Do I not like mm-hmm. it? And I wonder how much of the socialization processes that have happened with that child up until that point and at that exact moment Mm -hmm. give a certain weight to whether they enjoy what they're tasting or not. Yeah. And then they're, take that, Mm -hmm. speed up a couple years, now that babies are creative. Mm -hmm. Now, the people you put in front of you on social media or other things you view, should those be like the people whose taste you really respect and such? and think like that's what I want my taste to be like or should you put the people who you don't necessarily enjoy in front of you so like for myself 90% of what I look at is the stuff I enjoy the stuff yeah I want to mimic yeah kind of. I think a lot of people do that you know just makes things like Facebook feeds so polarizing yeah. I think is when you have something where people are only surrounding themselves with the things that they like and uh-huh. not challenging themselves to uh, confront the material that they they're not predisposed to yeah. uh, can yield some pretty drastic problems that, that show up in all areas of life whether it be just online or in uh, just the way you think yep. if, you're, if you're only surrounded by 
those things and you box out all of the stuff that you're not interested in like whatever it is you're you're I think you're doing yourself almost a disservice yeah there's definitely a danger of becoming so one-sided to a viewpoints in your creative work that you just lose track and yeah maybe never move on and I think it's hard to say like whenever you use words like should yeah it implies like an ideal and I that's something I kind of wrestle with is like, is there an ideal state of mind when it comes to creativity mm-hmm. or other aspects of your life where like, this is like what a, a decent person ought to, ought to be like. These are mm-hmm. things that everyone should be able to strive for without any objections from, yeah. from anyone. Yeah. Maybe, maybe being able to confront or at least to be exposed to those things which you do not like uh, is one of those those things that could be considered like an ideal yeah. at least and it doesn't say you have to agree with it, it doesn't say you have to like enjoy it per mm-hmm. se but like that's that's a skill in life I think yeah just respecting mm-hmm. other viewpoints it's yeah. huge and then sort of like in applying that to creative work it's uh you know, if I only consumed creative content that I was uh, speci- that I specifically liked beforehand, I mean, mm-hmm. where do you start then? <laughs> How do you start gaining a taste when you're not yeah. exposed to things that are kind of like pushing those boundaries out a little farther? Yeah. And yeah. I mean, I, what movies did I like when I was a child? We didn't even watch movies really till I went to like high school because mm-hmm. we didn't really have. Uh, a lot of like screen time when I was in grade school, at least from what I remember. Mm-hmm. Um, but challenging yourself to to push those boundaries and like, oh, this is the best thing I've ever seen, or this is the worst thing I've ever seen. I always love when I can add a new thing to that category of whatever yeah. it is, a movie or like, a, this is the worst picture I have ever seen. Yeah, <laughs> I mean that's not maybe that's not one that I want to <laughs> to push that way. But um, when it comes to like a like especially stories, like some stories or yeah. movies are just, <laughs> you're like, yep, this is the worst one. Mm-hmm. This is now occupying that category. Yeah. And then sometimes you really get a kick out of it. And that'd be like a movie like uh, like Sharknado or something, where it's just like, just everything about it's just um, awful. <laughs> but that's what makes it good in a sense or, yeah. or enjoyable. Yeah. Um, I've kind of seen a shift in like content I view over the past five years. So like early days before I even bought a camera, mm-hmm. like I was watching a lot of like Devin Graham videos, mm-hmm. Devin's super champ on YouTube. Yeah. So awesome, like action sports, yeah, beautiful landscapes, amazing locations, things like that. Mm-hmm. And so like that got me into video, that got me looking at wide angles, and glad cams and smooth shots and running with the camera and camera movement and all sorts of things. And then all of a sudden, like, I follow him more and I found out the people that he looks up to mm-hmm. and the things that make his taste what it is today. And then I started kind of looking at those people. And now I look at people like Vincent LaFerre and mm-hmm. Philip Bloom. And mm-hmm. I've mentioned these people before and there's more, but it's kind of like you attach yourself to one person, find out what makes them them, move on kind of and now maybe moving on a little bit more and just seeing yeah so that you can do the same thing with music too right? yeah like yeah, if totally. you're like wow i really like uh, hans zimmer music mm-hmm. yep 
there you go. Like everyone enjoys that. Like, oh. why is that though? And you kind of explore that and where did his influences, yeah. where did he come from? What kind of stuff does, yeah. did he do to get into what, what he does now? Yeah. Or even, even beyond like orchestral music, just the, yeah. uh, just normal bands. And you find ones that, that your favorite band looks up to. So you could say, oh, oh wow, so they listen to this stuff, and then you go to the, where they draw their inspiration, and maybe yeah. you find something that you thought was interesting as well, so. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's this like fight inside me to mm -hmm. both keep going down that line mm -hmm. and seeing who influenced who, mm -hmm. but also staying like, this is me, what do I enjoy? That's an interesting dialectical tension. It really is an interesting dialectical tension. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to use the, the terminology there, but just the idea that you're like, there's a push and pull yeah. between two different things. And it sounds like some kind of like autonomy, like staying true to yourself, so yeah. to speak, whatever that would mean. And then like going and exploring, being connected to the things that are, that, that, yeah. that are you. I think the way I cope with it right now is you find out the people who influenced you, mm -hmm. you find out what influenced them, why they make creative choices. Mm -hmm. And then you take the why and you apply that to certain things in your life Okay. and say, this is why I made this choice and just stand firm in that action. Yeah. You know? And I think that's a, it's an easy beginning way to see or to use an influence in your own life while still saying this is my creative thing. Yeah without copying someone else. Do you have an example of like how you've done that in your life? Mm, let me think, let me think, let me think. Oh, okay, I'll let no. you think a little bit. Uh, I don't want this to just be empty space. No, that's all right. Like, is there an example from, you're working photography? Yeah, that's what like, I'm trying Like to star, star shooting or um, maybe like time-lapse material? Something like that where you've kind of said no, you know, this is what I want to What I want to do and then other times where you're like, oh, I'm gonna try to imitate this And see mm -hmm. if I can learn something from that and then you kind of bounce back between those two things. Yeah, I'm thinking to Maybe in the way you edit photos. Yeah, the way I edit is very I'm always looking to see like How certain people edit because mm -hmm. that's how the look is achieved mm -hmm. so a person like Michael Shane Bloom amazing astrophotographer mm -hmm. and cityscape photographer yep. makes the most use of the dynamic range of a camera I've ever seen. It is perfect. And that could be one of your tastes is that yeah. large dynamic yeah, range where really someone is. else might like a lower dynamic range where yeah. they only focus on those, that yeah. middle area where you're like, oh, that's what's in focus right now. That's yeah. what I'm supposed to be looking yeah. at. So maybe like seeing how he edits and where he like brings up some shadows with a curve or something and yeah. then I apply that to mine but then say this picture doesn't really fit that idea. Yeah. Um, I don't have a specific example right now. I've, I've, done, I've kind of like done a study of Philip Bloom videos before mm -hmm. and kind of done a practice where I took his video, took footage I made and then just kind of tried to imitate and learn how he shot by shooting the exact same way interesting and then making the exact same cut with a song mm -hmm. and by doing that you learn maybe why he cut where he did mm -hmm. what kind of shot led to the next what kind of shots best told the story of mm -hmm. something he did yeah so like he shot a video in New York uh, last year 
mm -hmm. New York City when there's this huge blizzard. So people are outside playing in the snow in Times Square, yeah. and this is just a rare thing. Because uh -huh. <laughs> the city is essentially shut down, so much mm -hmm. snow. And uh, we got snow here at school. So I said, people love snow videos, let's figure out how to do this. And I, I shot a video about that, and uh, I cut it nearly identical to his. Interesting. Just so I could learn. Also, I know not many people at school know who Philip Bloom is. Yeah. Um, so I could it was like an exploratory, it. like, I wonder what it would look like. Or, yeah. And maybe through that process, you're able to say, oh, so that's why that cut kind of makes sense. Yeah. Yep. That's interesting. I honestly learned the power of static shots through that. Really? So not moving the camera and just letting action mm -hmm. unfold. Yeah. And letting movements in frame do the speaking rather than the movement and I think of the camera. Itself. That's the key that kind of justifies trying to imitate something is that you yeah. learn something out of that. Like that's yeah. how, that's, that's why I think imitation to a certain point is, should be encouraged Yeah, as a, as a creative is that helps you figure things out like that. Mm -hmm. Whereas if you had just been doing what you knew and not trying to copy, you, you might not have yeah. learned that until maybe some later time when, yeah. you, when you tried something for some random reason. I don't know, mm -hmm. but there's imitation, even like in music, you can mm -hmm. copy chord progressions, you can copy tempo, mm -hmm. copy maybe not the direct melody, but like the certain sounds that you use to achieve a certain feel. Yeah. Um, those are all things that uh, I think are really beneficial when you're, when, especially when you're trying to learn. And I think at least my goal as a creative is to always be learning. Yeah. So I think there will always be times where I am exploring or imitating in some way. Yeah, definitely. All right, so my idea of how to learn as a creative, how to imitate without stealing, mm -hmm. very important, came from this book, Steal Like an Artist by Austin Kleon. Fairly certain we've talked about this book before. Mm -hmm. Great thing it does is it teaches you how to look at other people's work, how to imitate that work mm -hmm. while remaining creative and not just saying, Oh, they did that I'm gonna do it exactly like them and mm -hmm. that makes me good yeah um, it really focuses on look at a large body of work by multiple people mm -hmm. take the things that your taste says mm -hmm. I want to do that mm -hmm. and then apply that to your work and that's why I believe imitation and learning through that is so important mm -hmm. he just does a great job of walking through it and explaining how to be a creative mm -hmm. while respecting other people's work. Yeah, because everything has like an inspiration of some kind. Exactly. So you're always pulling from things that you know, always imitating maybe just little morsels of what mm -hmm. um, someone's made mm -hmm. and then using that to aid in your own creative process. Exactly. I honestly think this is a book that every creative needs to read. Mm -hmm. um, it just kind of puts into words thoughts that you're going to come across yeah. and maybe not be able to articulate. Uh, funny enough, there's a TED talk that I think has that same idea. Really? I think it's it's called like everything is a remix. Oh, uh, that's a great one. Yeah. Yes, and it's also just a YouTube video, I think. Okay, yeah, but the idea is that all like you know all these songs use the same chord progression. It's because that works, and so mm -hmm. people use it and they steal that, and mm -hmm. then they can make something completely different out of it. And you're not aware of that underlying similarity between all of these different pieces of music yeah. until you sit down and like analyze them. Yeah. But when you're just casually observing, it seems like a, wow, another great song. Yeah, see, but like at the same point, um, 
like I'm always paying attention to chords. Mm -hmm. So like in songs like that, I I remember at points in my life where I would get mad if two mm -hmm. songs did the same chord progression. Mm -hmm. My dad, who's a composer, music teacher, mm -hmm. chord director, would always be like, "You can't copyright a chord progression. No, like <laughs> if can't. it if it works, use it. Yeah, and like you said, and um, that's so vitally important. I think. Yeah, especially today when like everyone's work gets shared to the world. Honestly, mm -hmm. especially like I think movie scores, they're similar. Yeah. But it's because it works. Yeah. And whether or not that's right, wrong, I don't mm -hmm. think that's a judgment that should be. Yeah, made. that's another video I think about temp music. Yeah. We talked about that, yeah. I think, in yeah. was it episode four or something like mm -hmm. that. Just the idea that, okay, now now you're just copying something yeah. in, in for the sake of copying it yeah. because that was like a placeholder for what your yeah. music was supposed to be. And yeah. it kind of. Uh, that constraint doesn't really, that is too much of a constraint to breed or necessitate creativity. Yeah. It's a constraint that forces you to do something that's almost predetermined. Yeah. So here, yeah, here's a thought in today's age, because mm -hmm. so much gets shared and you view so much content yeah. is everyone's taste like closing in on one singular taste. Oh, I don't think so. I think everyone's got their own little niche. I mean, this shows well, I like... Think niche, yeah, but like, I think our influence is kind of all creating this like ball of creative matter almost. I, I mean, maybe in a sense you could think of society as a whole mm -hmm. going between like what's popular and what's like out there. And mm -hmm. there's always that push and pull, not for just individuals, but for as like a collective group of people yeah. who all like this certain kind of love art and I think there's always going to be those people who push the boundaries because mm -hmm. the that there is this this thing this mass in the middle of things that are similar whether it's a like style of film or mm -hmm. a type of story or the way pictures pictures are shot or the way music is made there's going to be that thing at the middle that's like popular familiar recognizable and then there's going to be something that like just takes a bit of that and then goes off in its own direction mm -hmm. I think that will always be a thing yeah all right. That's my, uh, maybe related to one of the challenges I kind of held to myself. And that is to maybe ignore my taste, really? but to purposefully work on expanding it. Okay. See, as in the beginning, we were talking about how taste, preference, um, affinity, those things that you like mm -hmm. um, could be differentiated from things that are quality content I try to make those things synonymous so okay. I force myself to acquire a taste for all sorts of quality content I think the the best example that I can think of for this right now is um, in food <laughs> the literal the literal <laughs> definition of taste in a, in a literal sense okay um, for years, I just never liked sour cream. Okay. I just didn't like it. I don't know why. I mean, it was nature, nurture, both. What was what happened to me mm -hmm. in my childhood that like scarred me for life and like made me hate the sour cream. And then just recently, I thought, you know, why why do I not like this thing? And I was kind of going through this mm -hmm. idea of taste in my head, and we were even thinking about using it as a um, as a theme or a topic for the podcast here and I thought you know why not try this try to force myself to acquire a taste for something mm -hmm. as like a as like a skill mm -hmm. and 
I, I did it. I found something that I was like, okay, I don't really like sour cream, but I bet it, people like it when it goes with it. No one just like eats it out of the, like, okay, maybe someone does, you know? No, that's just you uh, do plain you. Greek yogurt. That's you, <laughs> you do you. I just, <laughs> but uh, when it, there's a, there's a, a little side dish at the restaurant I worked yeah, at. Yeah. It was like some red potatoes, bacon, cheese, and a little sour cream on top. Mm -hmm. I was like, I wonder, that'll probably taste good on there. And that's, so now it's one of my favorite things. Yeah. So I like slowly like forced myself to push those boundaries out there a little bit and acquire this taste of something that I didn't like. And that's something I don't think I hold to other people, but it's a challenge I definitely hold to myself. And I think I would maybe challenge other people to try as well. Yeah. It's like, if there's something that you like adamantly don't like, just go out and try it. Yeah. So figure out that acquired taste in creative work mm -hmm. and just keep consuming it. Yep. And figure out, wow, the food analogy works very well. Yeah, it does. It, <laughs> it really, really does. does. <laughs> I mean, some people don't like, uh, you could say like beer. People say beer is an acquired taste because like, I remember the first time I tried it, I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. This? right. <laughs> first beer is always weird. I yeah. Think. <laughs> and then like after a while you slowly like realize like what goes into why people enjoy yeah. this yeah, definitely. and you slowly acquire it. And I think that that's a skill that I, I want to keep cultivating Yeah, is to constantly be acquiring new tastes Yep. because that's what's going to keep the stuff that I make more diverse. Yes. So. I think if you don't continue to have a new acquired taste, you're just gonna be stagnant. Mm -hmm. Maybe yeah. I, people I think criticize um, ah, Transformers Michael Bay mm -hmm. for that. His taste is just the one thing, and give people what they want: explosions, huge mm -hmm. camera movements for the sake of camera movements, and all sorts of stuff. And mm -hmm. it just kind of remains stagnant in the creative world. Yeah, instead of pushing forward. Yeah, and. It's maybe a little bit harder to isolate with things that are so over overwhelmingly subjective, especially like a film. Yeah. Like what aspects are you looking at? Like what part of that is considered taste? Like what are you isolating? What are you looking at? Yeah. Are you looking at dialogue? Are you looking at camera movement? Like things like that are all different. Yeah. Um, but going back to food, like I think that's the best way to like cultivate that skill. Is like I don't like you. Know, you don't like tomatoes, right? Just like straight up tomatoes. Just straight up tomatoes. Well, like, like, like a tomato, tomato soup. soup. Tomato, tomato soup, soup is like, bleh, bleh. but I don't think that tastes like tomatoes. Try it. Well, I have tried it. Yeah. I realized that. But try it with the. They have fit into of going yeah. for a new acquired taste. Yeah. Yeah. Try to acquire it as a taste. Uh, okay. Fine. And that kind of skill. <laughs> See, that's the kind of resistance that, yeah. that I think some people have when it comes yeah. to art as well. Yeah. Is they true. they see something or a movie or some kind of thing and they're just like, eh, no, yeah, no, never, like yeah. not at all, no. And I'm like, no, do it, yes. Yeah. Try it. Force yourself to do it. Acquire that. And mm -hmm. like, if you're a creative person, that will almost certainly help you. Yeah. So that's my kind of, I don't know, controversial. I'm trying to figure out what my creative tomato soup is right now. Yeah, what's your creative tomato soup? Yeah. It's hard to identify it in yourself, but it's maybe more apparent when you watch something yeah. or look at something, you're like, no, I don't like that. Yeah. But then just say like, whoa, wait a second. What about that don't I like? and then try to appreciate it or gain a new understanding of it and mm -hmm. then seek out more of that with the purpose of like incorporating the best of that into uh, your creative potential. Yeah, I think right now it's just like 
videos that are just dry camera movement, mm -hmm. just hardly any, or just like dry humor, dry camera movement, mm -hmm. just kind of, there it is. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, and not, not in, engaging to mm -hmm. me at yeah. first. And I have to figure out what makes that engaging to yeah. other people. And I think it's maybe important to draw a distinction between getting an appreciation for something that's creative quality content, yes. like a good, well-made tomato soup, mm -hmm. or like name, like off-brand tomato soup that's been sitting in your cupboard too long. Like those are two different See, things. So like, that's the tomato soup I've had. Oh, okay, so yeah. <laughs> so maybe that's maybe that's it. You yeah. just need to set your sights a little higher on yeah. the kind of thing. Like there are bad stories. There are there is yeah. bad creative work, and almost all of it's bad. <laughs> yeah. There's like that top little tier that is great stuff. Mm -hmm. But that's the stuff we all go to. And then yep. there of those things, the things that you might not appreciate or like. That's what I, I strive to, yeah. to push myself towards. And that goes back to the Ira Glass quote. So it's mm -hmm. like, like all of like the 90, 95% below <laughs> is just absolute crap. Yep. And you got to work your way up through that to get to the surface and yeah. find that work that you are actually pleased with mm -hmm. while still like maintaining and pushing forward. In your yeah. Work. And that's the, that's my motivation almost for writing my stories down now. Mm -hmm. Like, do I think they're good? Not per se, no. But gotta get through <laughs> that way. Gotta, by doing it, that's the best kind of experience. Because yeah. if I was like, oh, I only want to make this kind of stuff, mm -hmm. you're, it's not going to happen. Yeah. You need that in order to grow. Yeah. So, um, I went to WSMA Honors Band, mm -hmm. Wisconsin State Honors Band, yeah. my junior year, and uh, had this amazing director. And they flew in a composer of Angels and Architecture, Francis mm -hmm. Kelly. Mm -hmm. And he talked to the band, a bunch of high schoolers, about his compositions and such, and mm -hmm. the body of work he's acquired at this point, and yeah. put together, and it must be over 100, maybe 200 pieces of music. And he talked about how all of his stuff at the beginning, like someone asked him about one of his early works, and he's just like, ah, don't even look at yeah, it. Like, yeah, just, it's, just go. It's like, even <laughs> the, the well-accomplished people uh -huh. who people respect their works now are like yeah there's this huge body of work i went through mm -hmm. to get to this point yeah and uh what's hard i think is you don't realize that until hindsight kicks in yeah so while you're in like the first 20 percent maybe 10 percent of your work mm -hmm. like you're at the top of your work except you still have a long way to go and you don't know what's ahead of you it's hard to say oh this is the 10 percent of my work that i think is like in my area now where I'm like this is what I'm able to do and then you can look at the rest in hindsight like I have hundreds and hundreds of songs I've written over the years on my yeah. computer and I might like three of them yeah. and even then like the ones that I make now half of them I'm not even yeah <laughs> I just don't really think they're that great at all mm -hmm. and that's why I don't have much stuff online but yeah. at I the know. same time I'm still going through it and I still am able to acquire that, that hindsight like if you took Christopher Nolan and showed him Memento again. I'm sure there'd be things that he would want to change. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, there's, and we've talked about that before, how that's maybe like a litmus test for someone who's still striving to improve. And it's not a bad thing, not an alien thing to a creative person to yeah. have a disdain or distaste for some of their work. Yeah, I think a very respectable thing is to, you finish some work, mm -hmm. you see what frustrates you, 
And then in your next creative work, you set boundaries maybe to eliminate those frustrations. Mm -hmm. That's how you grow. That's exactly. how you make things better. You keep chipping away at the block of marble to make a statue. Yeah. You find the statue within that block, mm -hmm. which is huge. Biggest takeaways from this, what do you think? Oh, man. I think it was interesting. We had a, a little tangent about like the story of how your taste develops as you grow mm -hmm. and I guess mine now at the end of this is like forcing myself to take as many paths on that journey as I can but like going from a very small child you're developing your taste already mm -hmm. and then as those experiences kind of mount up you have like this idea of like who you are what kind of things you like and then you're always kind of bouncing that off with like what other people like what is like our, our society in general, like what's popular. And you're always trying to like manage that push and pull. And then I guess I'm always trying to, like it's, it's obvious to identify those things in the middle that are yeah. either to you or to a general um, population, but mm -hmm. then to force myself to seek out and explore those other things. Yeah. And like, am I gonna eat sour cream at every meal? Probably not, but probably you not. But yeah, I'm not gonna put it on my cereal. Like I don't like it that much, mm -hmm. but I, I do like it with some things. And gaining that appreciation, I think, is yeah. is uh, something that I push myself for. But I've never thought about taste as a as a story in and of itself. Yeah, and loving stories so much, I think that's kind of an, just an interesting way to way to put it. Yeah. For me, it was the tomato soup analogy. Yeah, because you caught me red-handed. I know. <laughs> I, I very well done. <laughs> really wanted to take this podcast for that specific purpose. Oh, I'm gonna man. tell you in advance now. Uh. Like, I, I've been wanting to talk about taste so that I could use this analogy for months now, yeah. and it finally was the right time. And yeah. So maybe I'll make you some tomato soup later. Yeah. I'm. No, I just appreciate it because I'm mm -hmm. definitely not perfect at oh, yeah. getting past that and realizing I have to get into this yeah I think I, I think it's a beneficial skill to acquire and I don't yeah. think it's like I would never say it's important to force someone to appreciate something but at the same time that's an you internal have to appreciate struggle. a body of work mm -hmm. you can't that's just it. get locked in one specific niche mm -hmm. yeah you and have to learn to appreciate again uh, my goal isn't to hold my expectations of myself to others mm -hmm. um, but maybe encouraging them in that way is is something that might uh, lead them to some sort of struggle that yields yeah. some benefit in, yeah. their, in their creative stuff. Can you yeah. see a place where you'd like use that creatively whether in photography or outside of me making you tomato soup? Like looking at a thing I don't necessarily like and yeah. learning from it? Ooh. Mm -hmm. um, Honestly, I think it's that abstract work. Yeah. Um, I still don't completely understand it. Mm -hmm. So I, I just need to talk to Dan, who's yeah. the artist, yeah. and learn more about it and learn how I can apply that to images I create through a camera. Mm -hmm. and, uh, I think that's the beauty of abstract stuff, though, is you really have to find out what was going through their mind yeah and that is the journey that they want you to go on mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so like having that backstory on each of those things like if you said hey if you write three pages on all of these things i will read that and then going through and realizing like how does this 
yeah. why are all of these things being done? Yeah. That's the journey that abstract art is so good at mm -hmm. taking on. And talking to Dan too, like he appreciated so much just people asking him about his work mm -hmm. and figuring out why, mm -hmm. why was this meaningful to him. Yeah. And a, a huge part of that came through his artist statement at the gallery. Yeah. It was really well written. It helped you kind of start walking on that journey mm -hmm. to understand his work. And then talking to him, just like actual individual lines he put on paper meant something. And mm -hmm. he has this antler tattoo on his forearm, yeah. and that's in one of his pieces. Yeah. And it yeah. represents him. Yeah. You, it was you so cool. think of that if you didn't know him yeah. or talk to him. So. Yeah. It's definitely something I just need to get more involved with. Yeah. I don't know how I'm going to use my ability to appreciate new tastes in food mm -hmm. to create a thing. Um, but with music, I guess sometimes I try to do things like that. Yeah. Uh, like with electronic music, I never really thought I'd get into that or, or like it. And then it just happened. Like, oh, yeah. this is something that I can do. And then just kind of dive in head first and hope for the best. Mm -hmm. And now. Yeah, it, it's expanded my ability to make a whole ton of different things, so. Yeah. Um, what do you think we should talk about next week? We were talking about, oh, what was the one that we might have done today? Books? Books. Oh, man. I've started reading a lot now. Maybe less about individual books, but the concept of reading and what it does yes. for you. Yes. And that also could be related to taste as well. It really could. We should not steal our thunder for next time though agreed look forward to books and uh, what reading does to you next week next week yeah we'll have that up well this has been john and john and you're watching a 226 thanks for listening peace